Ist mir auch nicht ganz unbekannt. Hat er etwas mit Cher? Ich hätte einfach noch gegeben, so geil. Ja, also wenn ich jetzt das Don't worry, don't worry. You are in the right show. Today we are having a shark from the Swiss Shark Tank on our podcast. I'm very excited. Hello and welcome to Biology Career Insights, the podcast where we talk with experts from the field of biology to gain valuable insights into the careers and explore ways to navigate the job market in this ever-evolving field. I'm your host, Dr. Manish Kumar. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Tobias Reichmuth. Tobias is one of the coolest sharks of the Swiss Shark Tank show and aims at healthy 120 years of life. Dr. Reichmuth is a serial entrepreneur and investor and now the founding partner and CEO at Maximon, a longevity company builder based in Zurich, Switzerland. Uh, Dr. Reichmuth holds a PhD in business administration and has also worked previously as a strategy consultant for the Boston Consulting Group. Tobias is building companies since he has been 21 years old. He exited his first startups in 2003, thereafter built Europe's leading climate change infrastructure fund Sushi Partners, co-founded Crypto Finance Group and the Singularity Group, and has invested in more than 20 startups till date. In 2020, he has launched the Longevity Investors Conference together with Mark Pre Banegal. Tobias, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for welcoming me. Amazing. So we start right away, Tobias, and you know perhaps you can say what inspired you to what inspired you to be an entrepreneur and how did you get started in the field? I think for me it was always clear that I want to be an entrepreneur since. Age five, six, uh, I started to play Monopoly. Uh, I wanted to win. Um, and I always loved the independence. Uh, I, I like to work. I work hard. But I like to work on things I think make sense. Um, and so in my total career, I only spent two years as an employee at Boston Consulting Group. That was good. It was like a, an extended and paid education. Uh, but for the rest of it, I, I prefer to work on, on my own projects and uh, move as fast as, as I want uh, and not being slowed down by yeah uh, employers or so. So for me, it was it was never really a big question. Uh, from the beginning on, I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Amazing. Uh, perhaps for the audience, if you can give a brief background of your educational, uh, you know, your degrees and your journey of being a serial entrepreneur, that would be great. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I studied business administration um, I always like to do side projects while being a student. So, you know, I, I, I dealt with, uh, old exams, for example, um, I dealt with old cars, um, and in 19, no, I think in 2000, uh, I was an intern, um, uh, doing an internship in the topic of, um, employer branding. And I realized nobody in Europe at that time knew what employer branding was. And so I decided, okay, I built my first company. And there I was still a student. So I built a bachelor's that time or, or still in the school. That was, that was before the time of bachelor's and master's. I, I, that all, um, so I, it was called, uh, in, in Switzerland. Yeah. So it, it's 
you study four years and then you you have your master, so to say, but there is nothing in between. Mm-hmm. So anyway, as a student, I built that first company. And when I graduated, I also sold that company because I realized it was very nice uh, to to pay my, my bills as a student, but it was not scalable. I, it, was, it was just project by project. And there was a German competitor. They wanted to understand employer branding at, the, at this time still new. And they, they took my company over with some projects. Yeah, and then, um, as I said, I joined Boston Consulting, um, to be honest, also a bit because uh, I wanted to be on a, I wanted to go on a world trip, um, but my girlfriend at that time was still studying, and then I thought, okay, why not doing a bit of consulting, but I knew I would never last there, uh, so I, I did my two years, and then I went on the world trip. At that time, uh, that, that girl was not my girlfriend anymore, <laughs> so... Yeah, um, basically, then I traveled for two years. But before I started traveling, I thought, hmm, um, maybe I should do something in the evenings or so. And uh, I started a PhD uh, at the European Business School in Österreichwinkel. Uh, they had a good program where you did not have to be physically present too much. So I could this the physical seminars I could do within half a year when I was still at BCG. And uh, then yeah, I, I, was, I was able to travel. Now, honestly... That was a mistake. So uh, traveling, um, I was traveling by car around the world. So always with the same Swiss number plate, shipping the car in containers and so on. And I didn't have time to do my PhD really. Uh, so I, I was I was able in those two years of traveling to finish my pre-study. Um, and luckily my professor uh, had a bit of understanding of what I was doing. And um, yeah, when I came back in 2008, um, I uh, realized that A, I want to be an entrepreneur again. B, on this trip, I, I had learned a lot about climate change. Uh, I have seen climate change happening left and right, uh, whether you are in, in Bolivia or in Alaska uh, or in Russia, it doesn't matter. And I said, I want to fight climate change. So I was looking for entrepreneur with a mission um, and something scalable this time. And I founded Suzy Partners, which is a, a climate change infrastructure investment company, uh, which by now has roughly 2 billion euros assets under management. So it was growing nicely. Um, and I built that uh, for quite a while. Uh, in the same time, I uh, tried to finish my PhD, which in 2012, I finally managed to do. Not the best work ever, but hey, uh, I just want to finish it. Yeah. And um yeah, and to be honest, I mean, in my career later on, did I need that PhD? Well, not really. Maybe it gives a bit of credibility. You are at a conference and you're a young guy and somebody says, well, this is Dr. Whitewood or so. But, you know, I was not a researcher. Uh, so it was a nice project, yeah. And then in 2016, I, I got hungry again for more entrepreneurship because my, my company Susie Palms at that time was running quite well um, and I became more and more a manager so I was the CEO but uh, you know it was not this building blocks it was more like hey managing a company growth and so on and I said okay I need to have food for thought and I heard about Singularity University in Palo Alto uh, so I basically went there for this executive program which was amazing Mm-hmm. Um, one week of uh, exponential technologies, and I came home with a, a basket full of ideas. Yeah. Um, I still was the CEO of, of Suzy Partners, but I, I had a bit of time at the hands, and so I co-founded Crypto Finance Group and Singularity Group. Uh, crypto Finance Group, as the name says, is, is a, a cryptocurrency company um, providing um, services to institutional clients, basically. 
Uh, we sold that company in 2021 to Deutsche Börse, so that was uh, lucky timing, I guess, uh, just before the all-time high of Bitcoin. Wow. And uh, Singularity Group is is a fund manager dealing with exponential development of technology. So basically, how can you find that those companies which are prepared for the exponential uh, exponential technology development? Yeah. But in, in those companies, I, I took more a board role uh, as a co-founder. And then in, in 2020, I also handed over the leadership of Susie Partners, um, which at that time was, it's an institutional player. Yeah? And I decided that my job can be done by managers. You don't need entrepreneurs. Um, and so I handed over that leadership, still stayed shareholder and president of the board. Um, but I had first time in whatever, 12, 13 years, I had a free head. Yeah. And I said, okay, I am too young to be private investor or business angel. I, I, I need to do stuff. And uh, I thought, okay, what topic I found really interesting in the last year, and this was longevity. And I had heard about it also when I was at Singularity University. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, uh, let, let's look at it. And 2020 was lucky for that, or a good year, because everybody had time to talk. And so I could call near Barcelona, Aubrey de Grey, David Sinclair, and everybody had time to chat with me and, and answer my questions. And uh, I, I got an understanding of what is happening in longevity research. And I also understood that there is a lot of great research results and the great researchers out there, but many of them don't know how to build a company. And so what I said is, hey, I know how to build companies. Um, I need to team up with these guys. And let's do an incubator, company builder, venture studio, whatever you want to call it, yeah. And this was the birth hour, basically, of Maximon, which I built then together with my partners. And maybe a last thing here, as a tip, whenever you enter a completely new field, as I have done several times, you know, I was in human resources, then I built a company in, in uh, renewable energy, then one in cryptocurrencies, mm-hmm. and then now, basically, in longevity, the best thing to enter an industry is to organize a conference. Yeah? And why? Because if you organize a conference, everybody in the industry gets to know you and you get to know everybody as well within one year. And so that's what we did with the Longevity Investors Conference. Yeah? And before we had done this with the Crypto Finance Conference. And so for me, this was a good way of entering it. Uh, and I realized, wow, there is really a lot of space for entrepreneurs and, and, and capital and investors and so on. And, um, yeah, this was then how we how we built Maximon out of the conference. Yeah. Amazing. So we'll dig deeper into Maximon a bit later, but I wanted to come to your, you know, your first, say, twist with the entrepreneurship journey. So you started a company, was it Woodstrat or you also had experience of like raising funds and stuff? How did, how did the first company during your school times, you know, become extremely Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, but my first company was a project-oriented business. You needed a website, a business card, uh, and at that time, you still needed a printer. But this was, you know, you could start doing a job with, with like two, three thousand bucks. Because it was, you know, I, I hired other students to uh, be consultants for those companies who want to build an employer brand. And so we were extremely bootstrapped and, and also, you know, my living costs were low and so on. So that's why I always tell everybody, if you want to be an entrepreneur, do it early. You know, your, your opportunity costs are low. I mean, if, if you do it when you're 45 and you have two kids and the holiday house and you have a leased Porsche and whatever, it's difficult to become an entrepreneur. But when you're a student, hey, 
life is not so much different from a student than to an entrepreneur. Eh? Amazing. That's so inspiring. And after you sold your first company, you already, of course, had some money. And with that, you kind of build your, like, you know, your sushi partners, right? Like, no more. You never raised funds for any of the previous companies or that? I mean, with, with that money, I, I went traveling. That was my two-year trip around the world. Yeah. Oh. And I, I almost spent it all, not all, but almost all of it. Yeah. Because it, it was the best thing I could do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when I came home, I think I had still 40,000 bucks left. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I asked my father for a loan of another 10K. And with the 50K, I was able to basically in Switzerland uh, launch a company where you pay in 50% of the share capital, but then you have a company. Yeah? Mm -hmm. I rented an office because, you know, what represents a company, at least in the old times, nowadays it's different, but in, in that time it was like, hey, there is a meeting room and there is a, an office with your doorbell on it and you have a business card and a homepage. Yeah? And, and so this I could do it. Then I raised some money from business angels and friends, very friends, as you say, friends, family, and fools. Yeah. Um, they believed in what I want to do. Climate change, maybe at that time, was not yet an understood topic. ESG as a word didn't even exist. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, we were extremely bootstrapped. I mean, I built my first fund, a fully-fledged uh, Luxembourg fund structure with 150K. Including one year of work with the, with the GP, with, with the employees, but my employees were interns at that time. And I, I asked friends from left and right to, to consult a bit and gave them a little bit of shares and so on. And so we were super bootstrapped. And today I would say it's not even possible to do this, but probably I'm wrong. Probably there is other ways to do it. Absolutely. But I think this is such an inspiring journey because, you know, many people think that to start like to bootstrap, you already need to be a millionaire, which is not the case, right? Like you can always say, squeeze some money from friends and family or people who believe in you. And then later on, when you become big, of course, other partners are happy to kind of collaborate with you, right? So this was uh, my, my earliest investors. They, they made a factor of 53, uh, with, with their uh, investment at that time. So it was nice for them. Yeah? Amazing. Amazing. And you know, Tobias, I see that, you know, you have built companies say, across fields like climate change, then longevity, then cryptocurrency. And of course, it's not easy as a, you know, as a person, you know, to build companies, but to gain, you know, deeper knowledge, for example, in a particular field, it's not easy. And I see you already have so many TED Talks on longevity and you make correct sense. So how did the science happen? How did you learn about longevity? Was it only through the conference or by talking or you also self-taught yourself some science? Yeah, I mean, the great thing is this is a topic very dear to me and, and probably almost everybody because nobody wants to get sick and old if you can stay healthy and young. Yeah? And <laughs> then I have parents who are in the age right now of the 70s and, and so... I, I really started to learn and at the beginning it was tough. I mean, I had to, you know, get uh, with the biology uh, uh, book to, okay, what exactly is this mitochondria doing again? And what the hell are telomeres? And uh, because I study business, huh? so, uh, yeah, but that's, that's why this question, you know, because I saw your TED talks and you were talking about the hallmarks of aging and, you know, I'm an aging researcher as well. And that was like, I was so curious about how you educated yourself into the basics of it. 
Yeah, but I mean, we have a great advisory board at Maximum yeah, with, with PhDs and professors. In our team, we have PhDs, doctors, medical doctors as well, and so on. And, and so, you know, working closely together with our with our startup companies, with my partners, I mean, I learn every day. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have discussions about, you know, what is this doing or that doing? Avea is one of our portfolio companies, supplement company. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And of course... Uh, I'm I'm an ambassador for them, but at the same time, I need to understand what is it that we do? Why is this new collagen better than any other collagen? Explain it to me, yeah? Uh, and so they have to break it down in a language that me as a as a non-biochemistry uh, scientist uh, has to understand that this works very well. And for me, to, you know, why do I enter new businesses every 10 years or so? Because you learn. You, you don't make more money. Probably you make more money if you would stay with your business and you grow it big, yeah. But it's boring. So for me, the interesting thing is to to enter a new topic and, and, and really get expertise there and, and learn there. Great. But but there's like, you know, there's also a danger of being fully because, uh, you know, you, you see that, uh, I mean, I consider, you know, say venture capitalists or investors quite smart people, right? But then there have been debacles like Theranos, for example, right? Where like you do all the due diligence and still the company is kind of a fraud, right? So how do you ensure that, you know, you are not fooled by the experts? Yeah. Well, look, one important difference. We are not a venture capitalist. So, you know, it's it's not that a team comes to us and says, hey, guys, um, you know, if it was a million, we are worth 10 million. It's more that we build the company from scratch together with somebody. And before we do that, we do a validation of six to 12 months. And we work together with that person. We dig into the science. We dig into the regulatory environment, in the market size. We try to find out whether our audience is ready. Is, is the market ready for that? Yeah, and sometimes it's not. And so in this six to 12 months, I think we, we reduce risk a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we understand what this molecule should do or is doing. Uh, we look at the test, and uh, luckily, it's not me having to go through uh, the biological test results or so or the studies. I mean, that's done by our chief scientist Elizabeth and her team. Uh, and so, I have on my side of the table experts, uh, and and I think that's that's the best thing you can do. I mean, I would never, you know, never have the idea that I myself am able to challenge a scientist in the nitty gritty stuff because I, I I'm not that deep in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I totally understand. So you kind of you leverage your networks, you leverage your you know your partners who have well, it. That's it. why we have a big team, yeah, mm-hmm. and advisory board and so on. Contact with all the universities. So yeah, amazing. Now now we go a bit deeper into you know building Maximon because I think Maximon is a company builder. But then you know perhaps it will be interesting for me to know your building of Maximon, you know, so you said that you started a aging conference, like you did a longevity conference, you invited all like key players in the field, say David Sinclair, Abu Degray, these are all like well-known names. And uh, how did you go about like building, like when, when was that you decided that I'll build, say something, not an aging company per se, but a company that facilitates aging companies, right? This is what Maximon does. Look, I mean, at that time in 2020, I was sitting together with my friend, Mark Wernicke. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, built companies in the past. We were both active in crypto as well. 
And we discussed the topic of longevity, which we both found super interesting. And mm -hmm. our first idea was, hey, maybe we do a venture capital fund. You know, we know how to fundraise. We have a bit of money ourselves now. Why not do that? And to be honest, in the preparation of that conference then, you know, I was looking for targets, you know, venture, uh, ventures which might need investment. And to be honest, all I have seen was either very advanced, a huge bet, biotech bet in the future, uh, and maybe not even that longevity connected, or it was more ideas than companies. And so well, what we realized is it's too early for a venture capital fund. Mm -hmm. And we said, you know what, what we need is not a venture capital fund. We need this incubator or, or venture builder, yeah, venture studio mm -hmm. to help building those companies. And, and that's when we decided, you know what, we do the conference and, and then we do Maximum yeah, as, as a venture studio. Yeah. So perhaps for the audience, you can, you know, you can still uh, tell us the difference between venture capital and venture studio. And also like how Maximum supports company building in the aging future. So look, venture capital is, as the name says, a capital provision, which goes to already existing startups. The team is there, they have a strategy, they made, might already have a product, they, they are probably some, whatever, one and a half, two, three years in the market. They already can show something, that there is something. And the venture capitalist comes, does an analysis, a due diligence and says, hey, I want to support your further growth. I give you here, whatever, one, five, 10 million, and I will get shares of your company. And then the venture capitalist will also open doors and says, hey, I have a network. Uh, I want to have a seat in your board. I, I will guide you a bit on the strategy way and so on. But it, it's not that they take you close by the hand. Now, what the venture studio or incubator is doing is that we are building the company together with the founder from day zero. So let's say if, if you are a researcher and, and you found whatever great results in your studies as a postdoc and you say, wow, out of this, we could do a product, but maybe I don't know how to build a company or I want to have support, you knock at our door. And then we say, yeah, let's, let's look into this. If we like this idea, if we like you, we give you six to 12 months time, we pay you a salary, kind of a normal salary, and you have time to research deeper into that topic and to build a business plan together with us. And we support you on that. And, and I mean, support really, you get one of our venture architects by your side and you work together as a team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And after the six to 12 months, we decide, does it make sense? You know, is it the right time? And is the market big enough? Does this IP work or not? And so on. Yeah. What risks are associated with? And let's say we give it a go, then you become a founder and you get shares of that company. You get a small salary, not a big one, because we don't want to trigger or motivate people by salary, you want to motivate them by upside. Mm -hmm. And then most importantly, you get co-founders from us temporarily. What does this mean? So you are the head of product, you need the head of marketing, you need a head, head of production and supply chain COO. Yeah? And maybe you don't have them on day one, which is normally the case. Uh, and what we don't want is we don't want to press you to now select your team within the next two weeks, because if you have to do so, you will make compromises and your team will not be the best one. And the team is always critical when it comes to success, more critical than the idea. Yeah? And so what we say is, hey, Tobias is your head of marketing now for the next six, 12 months, whatever is needed. Yeah? And, and Caroline is your COO and head of production. And we together with our HR team, so that's the next building block, our HR team helps you finding the suitable co-founders. But in the meantime, we already work hands on with you. Yeah? So we don't lose time. We, we go into the market. 
we help you interviewing the new candidates and so on. Secondly, the whole legal setup we do together with you, like, you know, best in class, with the, that you have your uh, shareholders agreement and everything's clean in place. Yeah? Uh, we do the finance from day one on because that's a problem often startups had. Uh, they focus on the product, they forget about like doing bookkeeping. So that's all done. We give you all the IT tools, we give you a workspace should you need that. If you don't want to work like virtually. Yeah? Um, so our job is to keep your back free. And we, we, we work from day one operationally as a co-founder with you. And at the same time, we make sure that you can fully focus on the product time to market and you don't have to do the back office stuff that's all done by us basically so that that's a bit the the venture studio approach wow that's that's quite quite fascinating because you know you basically enable any any idea right at the beginning you know if somebody is scared to build a say a company out of his fascinating idea you enable them but Tobias like you know I would like to dig deeper into that like what is the equity structure like you know how much equity do you ask for you know for enabling a particular founder to kind of you know yeah uh, and but, but maybe what i should also mention is we also provide capital uh, so we provide up to 10 million swiss francs us dollars it's more or less the same um up to series a not on day one so it's not that we give you the money and say good luck but it, it's really that we develop the business plan together with you and then based on milestones we finance it this is a huge advantage versus founding yourself. Why? You don't have to run around and do roadshows and fundraising. You know where you get the money. If, if you meet your milestones, you get the one. Yeah. And this takes a huge burden away and it takes probably 50% of your work time. Yeah. Uh, so th this is important. Now, how do we do it? Um, the, uh, the founders team gets 50% of the company and you still have the 50% when you enter a series A, which should be a double digit financing route. So by then your company should be worth 50 million or more, yeah? five zero million or more. Um, maximum gets 25%. That's the sweat equity. We don't take money, so we don't take any liquidity out of the company. All what we do, what I just have described is paid by sweat equity. And that our fund, which provides you the up to 10 million, also gets 25%. And so when we enter a Series A, a Series A is a funding round where significant amounts of capital come, as I said, you know, 10, 20 million new money or so. Um, by then, we, we are in the same boat. We are all shareholders and it's 50% uh, of the team, 25% maximum, 25% the fund. Amazing, amazing. So, you know, perhaps you can highlight some interesting stories or, uh, you know, some successful ventures that you have already enabled. As you were mentioning about, I think, Abia, right? So perhaps, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you can mention what Maximon, Maximon has already done so far. Yeah, no, we have uh, we have four portfolio companies live. Uh, as of today, two more coming this year, hopefully. Uh, the first one was Avea. Uh, Avea is a supplement company. That's A-V-E-A. -E mm -hmm. um, supplement company here is focused on science-based longevity supplements. Swiss made. Yeah. Um, uh, this is a bit of a, a USP, I think, because it, it's we don't produce vitamin C. Yeah, uh, we leave this to others, but we really look at what is needed for longevity, and we we move into a more personalized uh, health uh, prevention side and so on. And that company is doing very well. Um, I think they they also had a very good breakthrough when they were able to get the new collagen uh, to the market, which is basically. Uh, a broken down collagen structure, which is only 10% of the amino acid chain length, uh, which like this can easier enter the membranes of the cells and that triggers the production of collagen. 
And this we did together with ETH, so the this version of the MIT. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a patent on it and so on. So, you know, that's the kind of products there. And then we do direct to consumer. So it's a lot about marketing, going to understanding the customer performance marketing and so on. And this company is, is yeah, moving extremely fast. Uh, so they are ahead of the business plan. Um, uh, very nice growth, great team. Uh, we are already in Asia now after one and a half years. So yeah, that, that's, that's the first one doing very well. Amazing. And this patents and everything, you know, that happened while you already were on the seat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we basically teamed up with ETH uh, and, and Professor Colin Ewald here, um, uh, who basically said, hey, look, I exactly this, I, I found something great. And we said, well, let's do a company out of that or a product. Yeah, and, and that's what we did. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, Tobias. And you know, as a follow-up questions, you know, perhaps there's there are a lot of aging researchers, right, in different Max Planks and, you know, different prestigious institutes across Europe, and somebody wants to build a company, how should they approach you? What's the way that they should approach you? Well, the easiest one is via our website, yeah, uh, maximum.com. Um, and there we basically have a, a career address for founders or potential founders and, and just contact us, you know, explain what your business idea might be. Um, you don't have to send too much material. It's an executive summary is is, is enough. Yeah, and if we if we like the idea and we like your CV, we invite you for a first interview. And should that work? Should that then still be interesting? We invite you to visit us in Zug, mm-hmm. Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah really start discussing how we could do this together. Amazing, amazing. Um, and now about some challenges, you know, because I see. The startup world is quite mature in, say, U.S., where you kind of travel, right, like into the singular university and stuff yep. like you are mentioning. So how do you see the European landscape evolving, you know, especially in the locativity field, given that Euro, U.S. is already far ahead, you know, in, especially in the in the startup world? What are the challenges that you see currently in Europe? Yeah, I mean, there is several. Yeah, United States is a very good breeding ground for startups, but Europe is catching up. Um, what are the challenges? A, uh, the European market is bigger than the US market, but we have a lot of barriers in between different languages, you know, even different currencies and so on. So that's not easy to overcome, but there is more and more technologies which help. Secondly, we still have a bit of a culture of uh, failure is really bad. I mean, I also don't like failure, but... Some entrepreneurs who have failed previously might do very well second time. Uh, and this is something which in the U.S. is better understood than, than in Europe. And thirdly, in Europe, we still lack funding. We do not have big enough VCs. We do have funding for the first steps. You know, if you need a, a million or two, you can find that. If you need 10, 20, 50, 100 million, it gets more difficult. Uh, and, and there, I think, you know, we, the EIF, European Investment Fund, and other entities are helping. Uh, the, 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 that makes it better now. But we still have a bit of catch-up to do. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So I see, you know, a lot of exciting developments had happening in the longevity field. And I, I already saw your TED Talk and you were mentioning about, you know, this senior co-living space and stuff like that. So, you know, perhaps you can highlight some of the exciting developments and how do you also leverage the knowledge into building new companies, if you can highlight some of those. Yeah. I mean, next to Avea, we have Biolytica. Uh, Biolytica is, is the backbone for health data and prevention. Yeah. 
Um, what they do is they uh, collect based on your DNA um, all your relevant biomarker data and with AI can advise you on what you should do in order to basically bring those biomarkers uh, into a field where it makes sense. Uh, so uh, bring down your blood pressure or whatever. Yeah. Um, monitor it. There is a cockpit behind. So it, it, it has APIs with all the different variables. So it's, it's very clever. And what we already see now is um, this is sought after by clinics. But for example, it's also thought after by our own other companies. So Avea talks with Biolytica on how to integrate the Biolytica tool for their customers. Yeah, so that they have uh, a cockpit on their mobile where they can track uh, the changes they do. Yeah, um, we have a company called Ayun. Ayun is a longevity walk-in clinic chain. Uh, first one opens in September in Switzerland. Again, and here they also need uh, the tool of of Biolyticas. But they also, for example, can use the supplements of Avea. So you see that the ecosystem is building, basically. Yeah, we have another one, Senior Co Living. You have mentioned it there. It's about this a completely different field. There we look at longevity, not for longevity promotion, but more about longevity consumption. Meaning, how is our society changing? Where people are very healthy in their sixties to nineties, they need new forms of living together. And so we said, let's do a soho house for seniors, and and, and that's basically what we do there. And so all these companies have advisory boards again. Yeah, they meet a lot of people. New ideas come via them to us again. And, and so that this ecosystem idea is really what we want to build. And what we also say is, you know, we, we, we see a bit of a, a longevity valley developing here in Switzerland. And that's exactly what we want. Yeah. Um, and what we also plan to do is to open a campus, a longevity campus, where all those companies and other companies, not maximum companies, but other longevity companies can work together. Uh, they have lab facilities and so on. We we invite, uh, you know, biotech companies, pharma pharma companies, and so on. So we want really to bring everybody to one space with, because we believe a lot in spillovers. And uh, we 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 were we are in a super exciting topic. A lot of innovation is happening, and uh, therefore you know you should motivate people to talk to each other, explain what they do, open their sources and their network. That's only beneficial. Then. Amazing, amazing. I mean. This is, you know, like the senior co-living space that, you know, you, you briefly mentioned. And as you said, like there, there will be so many changes with, with the, with the health span increasing, you know, there will be, I mean, even the finance and economics will change, right? Because the insurance changes. So, so you are not only say maximum is not just helping say biological company or biological aging companies, uh, say being built, but you also enable companies around say finance or around anything to do with longevity space, right? This is look, I mean, even a bit the other side of, of the coin. Yeah. So we try to avoid the classic biotech risk, the binary biotech risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, we normally don't go into a drug development process over 10 to 15 years with FDA approval steps and so on. Mm -hmm. We rather look at lower hanging fruits and maybe a bit more the consumer longevity. And so can we do the way to mark the road to market? Can this be via supplements, via cosmetica, uh, via drug repurposing, for example, or services? You know, but what I really like are those platform ideas like Biolytica uh, or, you know, other shows uh, uh, to the gold rush ideas where you, where you help this whole trend happening. Yeah? And that is our, our main focus, basically. Amazing. 
So finally, you know, one of the most uh, important questions of this section, because, you know, this is heard by a lot of uh, biologists, especially. So what advice would you give to, you know, aspiring biologists who are considering, say, a career in entrepreneurship or some of them are also looking forward to building companies in the longevity areas? What, what would be your advice to them? Well, first of all, you need co-founders which are the same as you. So if your best buddies are also, you know, bioengineers, whatever, well, I'm not sure who of you should be the head of marketing or so. Yeah. So it makes sense to look a bit outside of your normal circle of friends if you want to find co-founders. Second, um, you don't need to be, you don't need to have a 100% solution when you come to market first. It's better to go to market early, test it, whether this is needed, what you developed here than to have the 100% solutions for the wait for three years. So, so what I know is scientists often tend a bit to over-engineer, and that's not what you need at the beginning. It's something you can do later. Um, what I also would say, you need a bit of a characteristic, which is, you know, it doesn't matter what you have studied, but you need to be optimist. It's almost impossible to become an entrepreneur if you're a pessimist. Because yet things go wrong all the time. And uh, the question is, can you stand up if they go wrong and win it, uh, do it again until it works? And you need to be an optimist. Otherwise, it's just super difficult to do it. And, you know, if you're interested in that topic, uh, I, I published um, a peer-reviewed paper on that, the 10 Golden Rules for Entrepreneurs. Wow. Um, it's a, a lab background. Um, maybe you can share the link on, on that in your past. And maybe this gives some guidance there. Yeah, That is great. And finally, uh, Tobias, please tell us about your hobbies. You know, anything related to longevity that you practice in general? Well, yes. I mean, I changed my lifestyle quite a lot since I'm, uh, you know, active in this field of longevity. comes from the diet uh, I do um, uh, to sports, uh, you know, frequency of sports, what kind of sports and so on. So I started to do high intensity interval training, more training for muscles, um, and luckily, sport is my hobby. So uh, I like to do a lot of sports, yeah. I just shifted the focus from only the cardio also more into weightlifting and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, other other hobbies I have is I, I like to travel a lot. And, and traveling is great because you, you meet new ideas, new people, mm -hmm. um, reading. Uh, but I also like to read um, fiction books because often they tell you what is happening next, and that this can be a great inspiration for entrepreneurs too. Amazing. And, and when you said diet, diet and stuff, you made some changes. So does it mean that you do, say, intermittent fasting or you take some supplements or, you know, perhaps highlight that? Or do you recommend something for any other aging enthusiast? Look, I think before you decide on what you want to do for longevity, it makes sense to find out where you stand. You do a DNA test, a blood test. Um, maybe to also speak with, with a doctor who is fit in that field, um, because there is not the silver bullet. Uh, if I tell you, you should do intermittent fasting, yes, that's most likely good for you, especially if you're male. Um, but data suggests that for female before menopause, it might not be the best idea. Yeah. Um, so it's individual. And I think that's something we need to learn more. We should look at personalized and preventive medicine, not in generalized and reactive. Yeah. Um, so what do I do? Uh, yes, I do intermittent fasting six days a week. Um, I try to eat 
as a base that I had vegan, but I that's what I changed based on the DNA test. I found out that I, I have a risk of uh, a vitamin B12 deficiency genetically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why now I decided to do one red meat day a week. Yeah. Um, what else? I take uh, NMN, that's a precursor for NAD+. Then yeah, I so NMN stuff, uh, Tobias, uh, so sorry to interrupt. Because, you know, I see a lot of scientists promoting that, you know, the NMN stuff. And yeah. you said that very correctly, and I cannot agree more that, you know, every individual is different. So I think, you know, it is advisable to go for a DNA test and, you know, consult some expert before starting this supplement. But I see a tendency of like, you know, most of the aging enthusiasts just taking NMN. And is that correct according to you? No, I mean, again, you need to look where you stand. You know, we have, or let's say Adavea, we looked at, I think, everything, everything which has been published in that field, all the studies, yeah? because there has been a discussion on cancer risk. Yeah. Uh, now, there is data suggesting that uh, it, it, it's based on this is no problem. Some other data says it might be a problem. So what I would say is if you have cancer or have cancer, probably don't. Now, even if there is a small risk, it's not worth it. Yeah? If you are healthy, 45, um, you don't have cancer, or maybe you did a blood test to check on cancer cells, I think you're safe. Yeah? It's a very individual opinion, of course. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, you can also first do a test on what the NAD plus levels you have. Yeah? So that that's what I meant, you know, just don't do like, oh, yes, that's cool, let's do it. Uh, but maybe find a bit more out before that. Yeah, I take omega-3. Um, I take, uh, uh, you know, cauliflower powder and, and, and certain things which make sense for me. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Many people I heard, they also take like, Things from the stressed plant, you know, this is something like David Sinclair has been promoting, you know, lately, very lately. But that's yeah. uh, that's for some other discussion. So, Tobias, I think thank you so much for your time. I know you have to go to another meeting, so thank you so much for your time. And yeah, and it's been a pleasure talking to you. This is what I can say. Yes, and pleasure. Yeah, and to the audience, thank you for tuning to Biology Career Insights. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get the latest episodes delivered straight to your device. See you next time. Bye, Tobias. Bye. Bye-bye.